It's time to transform your life through knowledge, creativity, and mastery. Delivered on the Focus 7 Daily Podcast with business expert and marketing guru, Lisa Fredrickson, you will hear interviews with some of the most thought-provoking mentors and professionals on a variety of topics. And now, your host and favorite learnaholic, Lisa Fredrickson. Good morning, listeners. Welcome to today's adventure. I'm Lisa Fredrickson, your host and incurable learnaholic. In this episode, we'll be discussing gardening in Vegas, the Ermid farmer lifestyle, with inspiring Jennifer Gammons Mujica, founder of Farmer Gen Organics and Master Gardener. Welcome, Jennifer. We're so blessed to have you with us today. Thank you, Lisa. It's wonderful to be here on the show today. Thanks so much for the invitation. From what I understand, you moved from a beautiful gardening state. Did I get that right? You, That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you came to Las Vegas in the city area and you wanted to grow some food, what were your first thoughts and what were some of the challenges that you came up against? Oh my goodness. Yes. I was, so I'm born and raised in uh, Northern Ohio, which is beautiful country and farmlands for miles and miles and miles. Yeah. And that's how I grew up. And I thought life was just, that's how life is. You know, you see your farmers, you see what they're growing all year round. And then I am a military spouse, or I was at the time, because that was a long, many years ago. And then we lived in Georgia for a while, which, oh my gosh, Georgia is so lush. The gardens Isn't there it? are beautiful. Just everything blossoms and it's so green. And we got orders back to Las Vegas and our rental house had literally nothing in the backyard. Just like a typical, a lot of Las Vegas homes don't have <laughs> landscape backyards. And, 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 and if our audience hasn't seen Vegas, you go to several neighborhoods. Yes, there's grass in some of the yards and things like that, but there can be very long spaces that have just dirt. When we came down here from Washington <laughs> State, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, where has my husband brought me? <laughs> That's crazy. exactly how I felt. I was standing in the kitchen. I look out the back door and I had been, you know, in Georgia, I looked out to a forest. We had like a slope that went to a river and, and I looked out the back window and I saw a cinder block wall, which is also really typical of Las Vegas homes to be all walled in with cinder block walls on the boundary. And not, not everybody has that throughout the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought my children at the time were big, little, little, they were just toddlers. So mm -hmm. my thought at the time was, I just can't look at this wall. <laughs> yeah. And we moved into another rental house and, and they had a tree and I was like, Oh, we got it. We have a tree. And then I, that's when I started container gardening. You know, I'd go get strawberries and put them in like mm -hmm. window pots since I was renting, I couldn't really construct a garden in right. the backyard. So I would use pots and I would put flowers in them. And I remember looking out in the back going, wow, I really want to grow like carrots and lettuce. And we have here in Las Vegas, we have a wonderful kind of museum center called the Springs Preserve and the botanical gardens that are there. The Springs Preserve just opened its big location. And I went out and started taking 
gardening classes there. I took everything I possibly could. I didn't even know they gave gardening classes there. That's cool. Yes. When they first opened, they had a full book of courses you could take. And it's all desert-related gardening. It's all like water-smart landscaping and gardening. So I took many classes out there. And uh, then we finally bought our house. And as soon as I bought our house, I was like, first thing that's going in is the landscape and the gardens. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So I'm in Las Vegas also. And Mm. when I started doing gardening, and this is just recently, it was about two and a half years ago. The first gardening that I put in was like you. I did the container gardening. And I had a whole row of tomatoes. And this is the year that we got hit with. Remember the year that we got hit with that 120 degree weather in like May? (laughs) I do. I do remember that. So so I had this nice, beautiful row of of containers filled with San Mm Mazzano tomatoes. And they they were probably about eight inches tall at that time. And mm-hmm. the wind and the heat came through that night and it, the temperature rose way high. And I came what? out and the tomato leaves were dust. Like I would touch them and they just piled into dust and fell to the ground. So we have some unique challenges here because we have that 120 degree summer that lasts at least a couple of, of months. We ha- mm. have a dry climate. We have the caliche. We have the, yes. it's a anti-growing <laughs> environment. It is. It and is. so what did you do to overcome some of that so that you could have, I mean, did you ever end up having a normal garden here in Vegas where you could grow the carrots and the things like that? Because I know a lot of people, they are challenged mm-hmm. with that. You know, I have, I've had some beautiful seasons. I could send you pictures and you'd never guess it was a Las Vegas garden. What I think, what I recommend for people who are living in climate like that is first of all kind of embracing the climate itself i think a lot of people i know that i've worked with in helping them get their gardens to grow their first thing is saying you know oh i can't do it here in the desert i can't grow gardens (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you can and you have to think about what i call befriend the desert climate And you learn about when the windy season is and then how to deal with that. And you learn about when the best time of the year is to put seeds outside. And and the desert is merciless, as you found out. If you don't plant your seeds within that little time frame, you're done. You're you're not going to have it because they're going to get burned up by the heat because it'll start getting too hot or like, you know, whether it's always really up to mother nature in the end. Cause if you have a heat, a big heat storm like that, it can ruin it, but it's, it's befriending the desert, realizing that the wind comes in and I'm going to be ready for it. And I'm going to know what to do with my garden so that it doesn't destroy my garden and my plants. Or yeah. I know when the hot season is, And then knowing what grows during that time. That's one of the things I found out was that Mm -hmm. was picking the right plants for myself was an important part of it. It was 
don't grow yes. something that's a delicate little dainty plant that should grow in Georgia. That's, you know, it's, right, that wants humidity yeah. and mild yeah. temperatures. <laughs> And I had to get over the fact of feeling jealous from my gardening friends who would say, oh, I dropped some seeds and now I have 20 pounds of tomatoes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't happen. (laughs) No, not here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So what changed my whole experience with gardening here in the desert is just learning the seasons. And I always say that as soon as you learn the seasons and when to plant what it's so much easier yeah yeah what what would you suggest with the watering challenges that we have and i'm gonna just say one thing to the audience real quick is that what we're talking about here in urban farming and you'll have to back me up on this if Mm -hmm. if i'm correct is that urban farming is trying to grow a good amount of food for ourselves when we're living in the city correct Correct. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So versus the kitchen gardener who may be growing some herbs and a few supplemental foods and a lot of people, and this is part of why I wanted to have this episode is they don't understand that on a small plot of land, you can grow quite a bit. And this is, we're using Vegas. So like we're coming from the most extreme or one of the most extreme areas in terms of weather and gardening, which means that if we Mm -hmm. can do it here, you can do it just about anywhere. Absolutely. So so Mm -hmm. what I want, and maybe you can confer on this, is that how much food can we grow in a small little area? A lot of the families that I work with, they can grow a lot of food in maybe just two raised beds like four by eight raised beds. I've expanded into looking at the the whole landscape can be turned into what I call an agriscape. I'm also a certified agriscaping educator. I was certified by agriscaping technologies to teach people how to convert their property into growing more food. So it's really elegant. It's really beautiful and it's edible. At the same time, it just depends upon whether you're looking at just growing in a box, you know, like a raised bed, or if you Uh want to look at your whole landscape and when you begin choosing trees, you choose trees that are fruit trees, not trees. When you pick landscaping beds and border plants, you can actually put in beautiful chard or you could put in broccoli plants to line that bed. And uh, so, gosh the sky's the limit really on how much food you can grow. So Jen, for somebody who's listening to this and they're, they're thinking, oh, I can't grow in my yard because I have to have flowers and things like that. You're saying that you can help educate them on exactly the things that they could grow and still make it a beautiful yard and come out of that with productivity. Exactly. Exactly. And there are a lot of flowers that are actual edible flowers. And if you grow them from seeds that you know are non-GMO and organic seeds, when they start producing flowers, you can even eat them. I love nasturtium. And they grow well. Aren't and- they beautiful? They're so beautiful. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. beautiful. And they have a lot of nutrients. Like when I started, I planted the nasturtiums actually for yes to yes. have bees. And then oh, I found sorry. out, I but I planted them to attract bees. And then the, what is it? I think it's barrage that I planted the little tiny blue star type flowers. 
And those can, okay. be made in, can be used as a herbal tea and they also attract the butterflies. Really? So there was a lot of things. Yeah, there was a lot of things that, like you were saying that now that you brought it to mind, that you can plant that uh-huh. are beautiful. And those flowered like here, they flower more than anywhere. I know. By that. Yeah. And some other fun ones in the cool season, you know, are like dianthus and violas. Those are all edible flowers. You just want to make sure that you grow them from a seed that, you know, is, you know, has not, it's it's organic and non-GMO. It's, you can't go out to the nursery and just buy those and start eating them because Uh you don't know if the nursery has sprayed them with anything, but you can start them from seed. And I love to add color in with the vegetables because it, it just looks so pretty. And, and of course, a lot of those flowers have some great benefits for your garden and keeping pests away and deterring certain bugs and even like putting some lavender in between the plants can Mm -hmm. lavender and marigolds and calendula. A lot of those will keep some of the bugs away that you don't want hanging out around your, your vegetables. Terrific. Um, For those who don't feel they can jump off into the urban farming scenario, what are some of the smaller steps that they can take? I've been sharing this past fall and it's called an edible patio garden. And how how cool. Yes. And it was kind of inspired by a friend of mine who lives in a condo and she loves gardening and she loves having green plants around. So she started just putting some pots out on her patio. And then I gave her one that's big enough to put like two tomato plants in. And so it's an edible patio garden that's like two feet wide by four feet long. And I really encourage people to get elevated gardens now. I mean, it's probably because of my age, but I'm in my fifties now. So I like standing up and just working right at the garden. I agree. (laughs) It's a lot easier on your back and your neck, but it's up on legs and you can put it right on your patio. And I have one that has wheels on it. So you can move it around to where the sun is, you know, and you can actually fill that with so much lettuce and your favorite greens, whether it's kale or arugula or romaine, and then your favorite herbs for cooking in the kitchen. And it's a great first step into having some of your own food growing at home. Super easy to care for. You don't even really have to connect it to a watering system. You can just water it at this time of year, every couple of days with a pitcher, you can hand water it. So everyone I've talked to is finding it like a, a really first great step in to like, can I take care of a garden? You know, cause a lot of people <laughs> yeah, don't that question. <laughs> can like take care of it every week. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and, so and if like, we're, they're like yeah. me and I kill houseplants, I can kill the easiest house plant. So when I started gardening, I was thinking, oh, I'm just going to commit mass murder. I'm going to become a serial killer. (laughs) You're not the only one. Most everybody is like, I'm afraid I'm going to kill it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's okay to actually kill it once and try and learn and things like that. Like it's not, you don't have to be perfect at this. Totally. You know, that's the wonderful. So one of the things I like and 
I want to also get back to the point about the water use too. But one of the things I love about the desert and growing here is we do have so many seasons. You can really grow food all year long in Las Vegas. So that's wonderful. It's not, you know, my friends back in Ohio, they have that short, they can't plant until May and then they're done by September. Right. So you can grow all year long. In other words, if you kill it, you've got another season coming up. <laughs> yes. Just replant it easily. Yeah. Um, and, and for those who may not understand what she's talking about, because I discovered this along the way in Vegas, we have kind of an all around the year growing season. If, if you know what plants to plant and when to start them. And I did mm-hmm. a lot of starting inside now and moving it outside that helped a little bit. That's but we great. Have, we kind of have broken up multiple seasons here versus say a growing season. But that's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and then you had asked about the water usage and for anyone who's listening from other parts of the country, it's a very serious situation right now in the whole Southwest, especially going mm-hmm. from here all the way out to California. And it is a really severe drought. And One of the best things about a small vegetable garden, like what we're talking about, where we're just growing either in boxes or raised beds or an agriscape, you know, taking some corners of your property and turning it into food gardens. I think it's the best way to keep growing and conserve water because I use really low water systems on these vegetable gardens. So it's water smart. What we call here in Nevada Mm -hmm. is water smart landscaping. And it's all a very just fine drip of water, very slow drip, just a couple times a day in the hotter seasons. And then you can hand water. If you have a vegetable garden, you can always put a hose out there and hand water throughout the rest of the week if it needs it more. But really, vegetable gardens do not take up a lot of water. It's not going to increase your water bills. It's not going to yeah, I mean, didn't the, do the much to my water bill either. So you didn't notice much? Not much. I mean, there was maybe $10 a month difference, but it wasn't too bad. And it was mostly because I didn't know what I was doing most of the time. But I, the next year I experimented with a wicking system under the bed and that has made a big difference. And it also makes it so I don't have to water as much. But the other thing oh, I did really? was, yeah, Wonderful. I built a, so underneath it was a, I looked it up and they do this in Australia, but they, mm-hmm. they build a reservoir under the dirt of water. Wow. And then it, wow. and then if you, if you don't put more than 11 inches of soil, of course, the first year I put more than 11 inches of soil, but if you don't put, then it wicks up. Really? So it's it's good for certain plants. And then this year, I'm kind mm-hmm. of experimenting with a system called the Blamet system. And I don't know if you've heard about that, but it's... Uh, no, I has haven't to do heard with about the, that system. It has to do with clay and this mm-hmm. really cool system that does a drip. It, the clay measures. It's, a, it's okay. not a system that has anything in it that's mechanical. It's all uh-huh. natural physics. And so the clay measures the moisture in the soil and then keeps the drip going if it's not moist. So we'll see if that works. Amazing. I would love to hear more about that because it is so wonderful that that the bottom irrigation systems where you can fill it and then it automatically waters itself as needed. 
that's becoming really popular and it's such a great way to conserve water too. Plus the fact that I'm um, terrible at remembering to water. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, we don't think anybody can remember to do it. You know, we get busy and we travel. Yeah. There's a group of gardeners who love to hand water every day and it's their home and they're not going to be gone. But in the desert, you got to be real careful because if it's the hot season, you have to drip water, drip slowly a couple times a day, sometimes three times a day. And it's just mm-hmm. a slow drip. And if you miss that in July, you're going to come home yes. and find your garden totally, totally stressed out and wilted up and... <laughs> Yes, yes, that that is yeah. definitely one of the more important things here. I've learned that having the proper watering system in Vegas is one of the crucial parts. Definitely other things, but but that's one of them. Mm-hmm. So before we get to the end of our time, I was wondering if you could share a wonderful thing that you do with the school districts here that has to do with gardening and the children. And mm-hmm. it just has always inspired me, the program that you have led in the schools and how wonderful that is. Oh, thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, Yes, I teach in garden classrooms. A lot of schools here in Las Vegas. In fact, we we lead the country in the number of school gardens for the school district. That's amazing. Yes, there was at at one point over 200 schools who have garden programs. And some of them have been suspended temporarily. And we're going to be getting those started. That's my goal is to get them started up again (laughs) since the pandemic. But I love working with students in the gardens from all ages, from pre-K, you know, all the way up to college. And especially the pre-K children I teach health and nutrition Mm -hmm. and some STEM lessons. So lots of science and lots of engineering and math and even English, you know, we can teach English in the garden by having the students tell stories about what they see as far as the ladybugs and, and how the plants are growing and what they look like when they're little plants and what they look like when they're big plants. (laughs) So what, what are some of the stories that you have from the children? I know children kind of come up with the darndest things. Oh my goodness. What was a funny one was something about, I think I had them draw pictures of what they saw in the garden. And then one student showed me the garden and it was growing money. <laughs> like it was growing money. We're growing money. And I was like, wow, I wish I that think that's a good easy. visualization. <laughs> I know it was, it was the cutest thing because she had trees and like, I think we had a lot of herb plants in there. So like at the top of the basil plants were, were actually dollar bills, you know, so it was growing money. And it's so fun to see what the, what the children see with their eyes. And And do they um, go home and try and grow plants at home from what they've learned there? Yes. A lot of them will do that. Um, So what'll happen is one year, if they're in third grade, They'll learn about the garden and they'll have all this experience throughout the year. And then I'll go back the next year and they'll be like, we started a garden at home. And How cool. they, all, they all call me Farmer Jen. And a lot of them are, are going home and they're trying to grow food at home. The biggest thing I see though, is that they, they want to eat it when it's fresh from the garden. Yeah. So they learn to love freshly grown food, which is 
the reason we do the school gardens, the reason why I got involved in it is because we work a lot with Title I schools and children out here in Vegas just don't get to see where food comes from and they don't get to see what it's like to just step into a farm and buy it from a farmer's stand, you know, where it's freshly harvested that day. And, and, but we do, we grow it. And then I bring, I bring a big bowl of water and we will rinse it there and clean it right there. And then they get to eat it fresh out of the garden. And phenomenal example for them too. Yeah. Parents will tell me, they're like, I can't get them to eat broccoli at home. Why is he eating broccoli here? Yeah. it's it tastes good, you know, fresh food. Yeah, far, farm fresh tastes much better. My granddaughter who visit every summer and we have chickens. So for a couple of weeks, she ate the fresh eggs and then she went home and told her mom, I can't eat these eggs. Mom. They're just, they don't taste Did as good. she? She yeah. noticed the difference. Oh. Yeah. And Boy, so they can... do, they notice a difference in farm fresh and kids eat vegetables a whole lot more. They'll dig into a tomato that comes right off the plant versus what's in the store. I so. know it's very true. And then when they pull it out and, and it's important for me too, that they learn about stewardship of the earth. So yeah. I find that if they learn what they can grow in a garden and they're amazed by it, then they start to connect as they get older, that this is what our planet gives us. And it's important to think of the earth on a bigger level. So they become stewards of the earth too, is what I'm hoping. I won't know because they're going to go off and grow up and become adults. I'm sure they will, that many of them will be influenced. So we're grateful to you for the service that you do. Um, That's a great segue also into product line that you recommend that is earth friendly and also a, a clean yes as as the years go by and you know we're dealing with so much in our climate and the environment these days i have put together i've taken a lot of years to look for really good trustworthy tools to be using products that are chemical free that are toxic free and mm-hmm. i finally found a wonderful wonderful line of skin care or beauty care that you can guarantee is all plant based so it comes from what i grow in gardens and it's called asante organics and it's all toxic free and so you can use that as far as skin care beauty care in your home and you know it's good for you and it's good for our water systems is it washes down and so yeah, it's good it doesn't for doesn't create chemical too. buildup yeah yeah and then it's called farmer jen's earth shop and i just launched it uh just launched it after thanksgiving and okay and we'll have the the links down underneath mm-hmm. the description so oh okay yep i'll give you the link and then if you were looking for clothing too i had no idea how many clothes are thrown into landfills that are returned mm-hmm. and they can't sell them so i work with another company called Saya active and it's become the clothes i wear when i'm outside gardening they're super comfortable very breathable very cool keep me cool they're also made out of recycled textiles and sometimes plastics too are used in the clothing packaging comes and it's compostable bags so you can actually compost the packaging as well all that is in my earth shop this year and i'm proud of it well before we go is there anything you'd like to tell the audience that uh, is from your heart 
You know, I think that there's just so much happiness that can come from being outside gardening and enjoy what you can. Don't worry about it being perfect, but just enjoy being outdoors and seeing what the earth can produce for you. I agree. Well, folks, it's that time in the show when we count our blessings for being together and thank the Lord for providing us with the talent that enlightens the mind and inspires the soul. Till next time, remember that life is an adventure teeming with majestic mountains of experience waiting to be explored and rivers flowing with wisdom beckoning us to drink deeply from their cool waters. Thank you for sharing in our adventure today. Stay safe. God bless and have a wonderful day.